Hi, I'm Reverend Jillian Edwards, your host for Tales from the Reading Room. I'm delighted to have a conversation with today's guest, who's both a psychic medium and an environmental scientist. So get comfy, lean in, and let's learn more about this medium's journey. Today, I'm very happy to have Reese Wynn Davies as my guest on the podcast. He's a psychic medium with Celtic roots born in New Zealand, but has lived most of his life in Australia. He's an environmental scientist, and during his time as a scientist, he's planted over 8.5 million trees in Australia. Reese has taught workshops in mediumship and has done demonstrations in at least 12 countries. He has a studio called Sacred Tree Studio in the Netherlands. Reese is also an author. His book is entitled How to Talk to the Dead in 10 Easy Steps. Best title ever, Reese. (laughs) And he's created a deck of psychic mediumship training cards, which won him a 2020 Carta Aspiring Debut Artist Award from the International Tarot Foundation. So much to talk about today. He's with me from his home in the Netherlands. Welcome, Reese, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here today. Well, thank you. I always ask this question just to open our discussion. Do you have a reading room? And if you have a reading room, what does it look like? Oh, yes. Wow. Great question. Um, I do. Um, I have two. So I have one in Australia when I'm there um, and it's actually outside. <laughs> um, wow. I love I love being outside in nature and uh, I have a waterfall around. Uh, it's in a patio uh, or a, I guess an outdoor area to attach to an apartment on a ground level. And um, I have uh, lots of plants and a nice table there. And, and flowing water and uh, being with the elements. So I really love that aspect. And I'm really blessed when I'm in the Netherlands. Um, I'm actually have, I have a top floor cathedral of a building that used to be the old museum of Holland for uh, the Natural Museum of Holland called the Naturalist Museum. So it's like a night in a wow. museum for me when I'm there. <laughs> wow. And it's got oh, at least 30 foot ceilings and um, um, arched windows and stained glass windows. It's just an incredible place. And they've been teaching uh, in that room for at least 150 years or more. Um, and it's literally across the street from my partner's apartment. Um, and it's an amazing building to be in. Um, it's got a lot of history. Uh, and it's a, a special place when the sun shines through the windows. It's uh, beautiful. It sounds like it combines those things you love. I mean, the history of natural science and then the beauty of, of all that wood and energy and in that space. Yeah, it's ironic, really. I've got, there's yeah. a, photogra- a photograph that we were given by the museum that goes back at least 150 years. And uh, the room I'm in was a, a college room for, you know, people wanting to study um, entomophology and animals and insects and skeletal uh, studies and things like that. So we've got this black and white photograph it's really old uh with all these skeletons you know <laughs> so it's always a it's always a point of topic and discussion when people come to see me and they see that photo always want to talk about that first before anything else well that just that naturally leads to my question because i find it so interesting you have three degrees in science mm-hmm. environmental science right and you are a medium a psychic medium and for some people, science and mediumship might not go together. You know, some, I'll, I'll call it personally, I'll just say old ideas about maybe, maybe the way mediumship works. Yeah. But I know as we're moving forward, more and more science is proving the, I don't know if you want to say the authenticity, but, you know, when, when we talk about energy and we start to understand that, you know, you can start to understand mediumship. But I'm kind of curious on your take on it, because you've spent a lot of time, obviously, working very hard and studying science. And I'm curious how the mediumship got woven into that. Oh, it's, that's the best question ever. I love it. It's, it's so true. Um, like, I'm a scientist by nature, you know. Um, and I was always looking for answers and proof. And I guess that's why I like to emphasize in my work that I I try to be evidential. Um, I want to prove to people that their loved ones aren't gone. Um, So I love the, the, the idea that we're trying to get evidence for people 
and I, uh, I push myself to get that for people and uh, not just in the spirit person's life, but what the spirit person sees for their loved one today. Cause yeah. I think the greatest thing about um, our work is we're, we, we want people to walk away thinking maybe we don't die after all, you know, that's the big, the big question mark that most people have. So um, I love the science aspect to it. And that's what got me into it. I started getting readings or probably, 13 years earlier before I got into mediumship myself, um, particularly running my own business for 20 odd years, I'd always see a, a clairvoyant uh, for guidance. And in the end, um, one told me I had the ability myself and it just became more of a prevalent thing where I got more and more involved. And in the end, uh, it, it led me into this place and it's the evidence behind it. So I'm, I'm addicted to it. I love it. I love trying to prove to people that their loved ones aren't gone. It's, um, it's a real buzz. So I think there's a science to, to it. And uh, particularly, you know, spiritual um, uh, organizations like the SNU, for example, in Europe, yes. they've got a scientific research center. I know there's scientific research centers in the Canada and the US that are always exploring the, um, the evidence that's uh, being provided by mediums. We're always being tested and probed and all the pineers, you know, from a um, hundred years or more, we're always exactly. highly tested in this work. So I think it's a science, a religion, and a philosophy, and they all go together. You said that you used that information when you were for you got counsel from a medium for your business. How did you know about mediumship? What was your first encounter? Wow, yeah, great question too. I th- I think in well in general, my first uh, real experience was probably in the start of my twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, where I had two visitations from two people that I lost in my own family. And I was very much, um, uh, I guess, over my, my life with different religions. Um, I come from a Church of England upbringing, uh, but non-practicing. Uh, I had a born-again Christian girlfriend in my late teens mm-hmm. uh, and was involved with that for a few years. And then uh, I was taking on kind of like a Buddhist philosophy at one point uh, here and into meditation and things like that. But when I started having my own experiences, personal experiences, it made me question well, what's going on here, you know, because I, uh, no one could take away from me what I experienced for myself. Um, and I guess the big thing here was uh, an example would be my grandmother who had passed came to me in a meditation and told me about a school that was in England that I had no comprehension of, didn't understand it at all, or was not made aware of it, called the Arthur Finley College. And after the meditation, she said, you're going to go and look on the computer and find out, and you're going to go. You have to go, it's, otherwise it, your life won't change. So I Googled this, and it was true. That's the science to it, you know. So I couldn't believe it. You know, my I know what I heard. I know what I saw in my third eye. I know it was my grandmother. She told me to go to this school. So I was doing, you know, quite into my, uh, you know, reforestation and horticulture business, but, you know, changed my, my choices in my life and that I was going to go on a different path and, and that spirit's got my back and that we don't die. And um, I wanted to be of service and change people's lives. And that's why we're here. And so I went about that as quick as I could change my life forever and only for the better, I must say the way I think and feel and that I can heal myself if I choose to and want to make the change and loving loving thyself and more importantly knowing the knowing the soul within like, you know there's a great words by Gordon Higginson in my opinion one of yeah. the best mediums who ever lived he said uh, know thyself <laughs> the soul knows right and it just felt like I was home and I even met the love of my life there as well. So my grandmother was not only telling me this is my future work, but she's a matchmaker too, right? <laughs> from heaven, all of this from heaven. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. In one week, In all one that week. changed. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I realized that love is loving thyself and that the types of relationships I was having, uh, what I allowed people to do to me in my business life, mm. the types of people I was attracting. I didn't realize that if you can change the way you think and feel in your mind, you can, you can change your whole life. Um, uh, I became a, a vegan, uh, stopped yeah. drinking alcohol. I lost 30 kilos of body weight. 
I got more clarity in my mind and I started helping people and it just magnified. It's like once you start something, it's like, it's like a train you can't get off in the end. It's very addictive as well. And I realized that I had to be grounded and that I still have to be normal, <laughs> but it's, it's, but it's such an, a, a ride, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful journey. When you say addicted, are you talking about the energy that you're working in or the yeah. fact that you are helping others? What yeah, is the both. addiction? Yeah, absolutely. Both. Uh, I mean, I had a very successful business and planted lots of trees, you know, in the past yeah. and felt great. But at the same time, it was 90 hours a week and a lot of hard work and running a business and taxes and bills and, you know, government contracts, not all, you know, coming through all easily, you know. Uh, but when it came to the aspect of switching from that to people and being orientated with people instead, I think that's the greatest thing that mediumship gives us. You know, when you hear the stories of other people, you realize you haven't got much to complain about. It's like I had a, a massive humble pie experience, you know, um, hearing other people's stories that just for an hour at a time, these people that I don't know come and sit with me and then they let me into their life, not only their personal life, but the life of their loved ones. And it's a twofolded uh, aspect here that's very humbling and uh, uh, very gratifying and very special. It's like I'm this middle person that's between exactly. connecting two people who've been parted for, you know, and you, you can bring them back together for a short moment in time. It's absolutely, um, I can't describe it really. Maybe <laughs> it's like a euphorical feeling. And uh, I'm like a little boy in a candy store when I've, when I've finished my readings, I, I can't sleep very well. I'm up. Uh, it takes me yeah. ages to come down, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. very exhilarating. I think it, it is that energy is so blissful when you're really in that space. Can you think of a time, because at least the way you're describing it to me sounds very healing for people. Can you describe a moment where you were in awe of what took place? I mean, you just finished that reading or even in the middle of that reading could not believe what was going on. Yeah. I've had a couple, even for myself um, mm -hmm. and uh, walking on this journey, but uh, a couple that stand to mind is uh, a lovely lady once who uh, wanted to connect to her father who died. Um, and there was a moment in the reading where I said, Oh, he's telling me the biggest day of your life is coming. Um, and he wishes he could be there for you and walk you down the aisle. But he wants you to know that you've just sewn a piece of his shirt onto your heart of your wedding dress and that you're going to be taking him down the aisle anyway. And the tears just rolled down her face. She felt very uh, like, uh, are you telling me that my dad knows that I've just done that? Uh, oh, honestly, life-changing yeah. for her made her realize that um, he's not gone and that he's still with her today and that there's an intelligence there that still uh, continues and uh, we don't die and we've changed form and, uh, and they can uh, intelligence that understands and can communicate this, this, this type of information is, is so healing. Mediumship is a, a great form of healing. Um, and I love these stories, you know, I love sometimes when people can't take it, for example, another one comes to mind where I had a, uh, it was in an audience setting. So I was doing a public demonstration yeah. and I said to this man, I know your great grandfather's a Sergeant major in the British regiment, you know, but he tells me he's a spy for the IRA. And he goes, no, <laughs> almost like you're insulting me, you know, and my British heritage a little bit. And I said, are you sure? because it's very strong with me. There'd be papers there, papers. And he said, no, you know, I haven't seen papers. I don't know what these papers are. And I went on to talk about a writer's desk that was left in the family for 200 years and he passed it on from his ancestor down to him. So you're now custodian of this green leather brass studded desk top with hand-carved legs that swirl. The, the carving is a swirl nature that goes down both all the legs to the ground. And he goes, yes, I am. And I said, are you sure he's not a spy? <laughs> and anyway, we moved on from it. We moved on from yeah. it. And uh, anyway, two years later, I got an email from him and, he, and the, the title 
was quite rude. It was like, OMFG, we'll, we'll let everyone understand what that means, right? Yeah. <laughs> but in, in that process, uh, he writes to me, you told me about my, you might remember me, I was in the audience and you said my great grandfather was a spy. <laughs> Um, and we moved, uh, well, I moved house like you said I would. And when the furniture removals were putting that desk that you talked about in the truck, a secret compartment fell out with all these papers being involved with the IRA. And he just couldn't believe it. And he said, why did this happen? How did you know this? And I said, well, spirit told me, but sometimes the validation has to come outside of, um, for your own personal experience. And I said, do you believe that he's not gone now? He said, absolutely, beyond doubt. So I love mediumship too, where some people have to go away and investigate or, or have a cup of tea with Nana or, or, or talk to mum about dad and all of a exactly. sudden there's all this other information that comes together. And I think spirit want that to happen so that there can be you know, um, a multiple healing aspect that takes place with just more than one member. And we forget that mediumship's not always about us and your recipient. It could be they need to pass on a message or heal someone else as well, right? And that sometimes is the most interesting. I find that spirit takes you on a journey that sometimes, just like you said, it might be a relative who has to tell another person about something else. And, uh, and sometimes you never find out what happens with that information. Or if you're lucky, you get that really interesting email that, Two years later, that's awesome. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it yeah. blew my mind. And then yeah. I thought, I'm so, I'm so grateful. I'm not crazy after all. <laughs> when you started talking about this, um, you said that you personally have had some really interesting experiences that blew you away. Oh yeah. Can oh, you yeah. maybe tell me about one or share? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. This totally just blow, blows my mind. I, I had to go to England from the Netherlands to do uh, an assessment to work, uh, I guess, to be certified to work in England. I, I had some final assessment to work publicly. Um, it's a live audience with three judges uh, from the SNU. Mm -hmm. And I had a 15 minute, um, uh, we had to do a public address and a few other aspects of our training. But part right. of it was we had to do a 15 minute demonstration. And in that time, only 15 minutes connect to two dead people who passed to two different people in the audience and get them to sign an after David that we proved to them beyond doubt that we had their loved ones to pass so that I could get my CSNU certificate to, uh, and to be able to work publicly in, in the England. Mm -hmm. um, so I was very nervous and stressed, but on my way there, my, I had an auntie who died about three months earlier and her name was Pauline. So while I was walking there, um, I was staying in an Airbnb place, just from not far from the hall, about 20 minute walk. So while I was walking there to get ready to do this public demonstration from my assessment, I said to her, look, I know you've been gone for three months, but um, I want three black feathers from you, nice and clean together pointing and facing same direction, uh, either walking to this event or afterwards. And if I get to the event, I want another medium to connect to you and give me a message. And I kid you not, this is exactly what happened. About 15 minutes later on the footpath, walking to this hall, I got three black feathers together, the same length, side by side, pointing and facing me. So I picked them up and put them in my bag as I carried on walking. And I said, I still want a message. <laughs> you know, it would be a bit demanding, can't you? <laughs> you know? So, and I said, um, I still want a message. So when I got there, this lovely lady come up to me and she goes, are you Reese? And I said, yes. And she says, my name's Pauline and I'm from Northern Ireland. And apparently they put us into pairs uh, because there's too many of us taking the assessment. So you and me are being put together. We're going first. And I just looked at her with a, you know, dumbfounded face. I didn't say to her, wow, yeah. <laughs> you have the name of my dead auntie who I've just been talking to while walking here, yeah. you know? And, and of course, when I, uh, so we're sitting there on stage getting ready and the audience is coming in and the judges there were really nervous. She just says to me this, she says, I've got an auntie who just passed over. And when, and she met her other sister when she got there. Her name would be Barbara. Would you understand that? And I'm looking at her thinking, this is incredible. My other wow. auntie in spirit is Barbara. Okay. 
Oh my God. And, uh, and of course we have to get up and do our thing and, you know, thank goodness we both pass in the end. Um, but then a man comes afterwards and says, I've got to come and shake your hand. You were great on stage with my wife today. I'm her husband and my name is Barry. Now my uncle who still lives today, who was married to Pauline, his name's Barry. Right. Wow. So I had to tell her, I said, do you know that my auntie that you connected to, her name's Pauline, the same as name as you, and she's also married to, and he still lives today, my uncle is Barry. And she just looked at me and said, oh, you've got to be joking, kiss the blimey stone, you know. <laughs> um, and it just blew my mind that the intelligence can organ orchestrate something like that, that, and that took place within an hour and a half of time. And that I was just a person who went to Staffordshire in England. I was only there for three days and somehow Pauline and Barry from Northern Ireland. And it turns out that my auntie's heritage is for, got, goes back to the Joneses and Ireland anyway. So it's all, all connected. So there's obviously more going on there behind the scenes, you know, which totally left me in awe. I got complete 100% proof for myself that my auntie is not gone. You know, yeah. this is beautiful. You and know? the synchronicity, it does. It just can, it'll blow your mind, right? Yeah, and, I, and it happens. That is fantastic. And that's all trying to, and I don't know if that makes you more nervous or distracts you to the point where you're like, I just got to do it because I can't believe what's going on. But yeah, what a great I, story. And, you know, so I'm always, even in my mediumship now, I'm always trying to say to people, a lot of people come to me and ask for signs, you know, I see mm. two, 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 or what is, who is this? And I said, well, who do you want it to be? And you've got to tell them what you want and give them some time to manifest it. As long as it's achievable, they'll, they'll, they'll definitely do it for you. They love you. You know, love doesn't die. You know? That is for sure. That mm. is for sure. That is it. endless. Right. I just want to go back to what you, what you talked about your request to your auntie. And then what you just said a minute ago, when talking with students, you talk about asking, asking and having that very, um, I don't know if the word is pedestrian, because maybe some people think it's very holy, but, or sacred, but you can have that very direct conversation with spirit and request things. Can you talk a little bit about that and how your relationship with the divine or, or with the loved ones um, yeah, and how that absolutely. works for you. Yeah. Well, I guess that's one of the reasons why I developed the, the 4P process to with mediumship and co communicating with spirit. I, I didn't realize you could talk to them and, and, and they answer back and thought it's all telepathic in most cases. Um, and uh, particularly in the first two years of my mediumship, I was waiting for something to come to me and didn't realize that I had to be the one that's kind of, provoking and asking getting the intelligence of spirit to respond to that it's a two-way street i didn't realize that so um I, i'm always asking i mean lots of people can't see my mind while i'm working but yeah. there's 450 questions in these cards that i've developed over the years of questions that i ask spirit in my mind and hoping at, at some point they will respond back to it um i had a profound time once in canada actually in a demonstration where I went to a lady in the audience and I said, I've got your dad here. And she says, Oh, have you? Well, prove it then. What's his name? And she just yelled it out at me. Right. And I, and she didn't already know that I've already been in my mind asking for it. And I just paused for a second and I went, Oh, it's David. And she just looked at me with a dumbfounded face and, and she said, that's his name. <laughs> and I went in my mind, I went, thank goodness, you know, um, but to the audience, everyone was like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. You know, so then I didn't have to validate a bit of, you know, that anymore for her and already proved her I had a dad, right? you know, and that's the thing that's missing a lot, uh, I think. Um, but I really love the, uh, I, I guess, the evidence that's post-life evidence, what's happened since we've died, because, you know, I think people yes. need that for healing. They want to know what's going on with their loved ones since they've died. And it's like who they met when they passed, but also what spirits see for the, the people uh, on the earth, you know? Right. So I'm always trying to push that now in, in my own work and for my recipient. I want them to walk away thinking, wow, you know, 
Uh, that's amazing. I guess if you don't mind me sharing this little, mm. this is a, a really profound one. I had a lovely lady who lost her husband and she's a remarkable woman. And this is the gift that other people give to you. You know, she's a single mum now with seven children under the age oh, of nine. God bless. You know, and she lost her husband in a, in a wharfing accident with a, a shipping container that had collapsed on him. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, but anyway, this is this post-life evidence that I think is important in mediumship today, where, and I try and encourage myself and people who come to me for learning. Um, I just said, after he's died, I said, Mission Beach in Auckland, and I'm looking out over the bay, and I can see Rangitoto. Uh, it's a volcano, a non-active volcano that's out of the water um, from Mission Beach in Auckland. And I said, you must have been there just after he died. And you've written his name, Dro, in the sand here with your kids. And you said to the kids, hopefully daddy sees it. Well, she couldn't believe it, right? Because that's exactly what she did with her children after the funeral. And she said, I can't wait to tell my kids that daddy's seen it. You know, and that's the thing that people need is that one thing. And, you know, like uh, Gordon Higginson, I, he's you know, yeah. like a champion for me, really. He said, even in an audience setting, you know, you want to change the life of one person, not everyone, yeah. just one, and you've done your job, you know. So I'm always yeah. trying to get that one thing uh, for a recipient. Now, the interesting thing about it is I'd only been there about a year ago, picking uh, shells up along the beach and being there. And I felt like I know this beach. I've been there. It's near Takapuna, Mission Bay. I see Rangitoto Island across the road, you know, across the way here. Yeah. And, I, and I'm reliving a memory form of myself as well, which I absolutely love and get all blown by, you know, spirit influencing my mind with my own memory. You know, it's and incredible. You know- yeah, and it, it it just demonstrates, you know, space and time. It makes you think it, it can all come together, you know, that kind of deja vu feeling. Or, yeah, it's profound, isn't it, when you it have is. it for yourself as well, and then it's confirmed. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those stories because they are profound, and the healing is incredible that can happen. And, you know, I've, I've often said, you know, I remember – reading for different people where, you know, they might've been going for therapy for a long time and doing the work, but not really healing it up. But a loved one can come, give them a message and that space is healed in a way that maybe never could have, or had yet to be healed. And they walk away uh, feeling completely different, you know? Yeah. You know, it can be simple things like, when a recipient hears, oh, he just, he keeps saying he wishes he said he loved you more. And sometimes the response is, well, he never, ever told me he loved me. And that means so much to me that he does. It can be yeah. that simple, you know, or it can be not feel guilty that you had to, you know, turn the machine off and stop me breathing. Because some people feel immense guilt for having the duty of doing that or the burden of looking after their estate and, or that they've taken years away uh, of someone's life because they had to be nursed by them. You know, had lots of uh, a beautiful uh, lady, for example, she looked after a mum for 13 years and they lived together. And this lady was in bed for 13 years and needed a carer, you know, and that's a a big chunk of someone's life and and dedication. And they have a spirit come back and say, "I, I can't believe what you did for me and the dedication and the time you took to have me, and care for me. Uh, it's the greatest thing you can do for a person, you know? Yeah. Um, so everyone's searching for these different answers, aren't they? You they know, are. Everyone and wants these things. Yeah. I was thinking about how that week when you went to England to study was so transformational for you. And, and in your case, you changed a lot of different aspects of your life. And now as someone who teaches individuals, and I, I think it's fair to say that to be that, to be a medium, to do this work, especially in the way you were trained, uh, the way I've been trained, 
there is sacredness to this. There is um, there are ethics around it, but there's also this call to personal growth that as you grow and heal your own life, you become a better channel for spirit. I, I, I don't know what you think, but I, you know, and um, absolutely, yeah. So, do you think anyone can be a medium? Yeah, well, the 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 whole idea around my book, even, is that I think it is something that can't be learned. That can be learned, absolutely. Um, I think people are at different stages of of their individuality and spirituality. Yeah. So I think for some people, they they advance faster than others, or they develop quickly um, than others because of you know, uh, mindfulness and aptitude and intelligence and, um, exposure to the, their environments and things like that, that have some variation or influence in their and people's advancement. Is it all of that, you know, uh, uh, absolutely. But I think it is something that can be mastered for sure. Uh, I think, you know, there's a general saying that everyone is psychic. I think we all mm. have that ability to yeah. survive. We've needed that. I think, we might get a bit lazy in that now with in our modern world and mm. we don't have to fend and fight for ourselves and go and hunt and gather like we used to. So those yeah. senses, some of those senses aren't as prolific as they could be, but um, definitely the mastering. I, I think where some people get unstuck is they, they rush it. Um, they they um, yeah. uh, want it quickly. Um, it is a bit of a buzz to change someone's life. Um, but uh, but at the same time, um, you know, Gordon said something pretty pre- prevalent to me in my early years of training in that, uh, in his, in his uh, work, that uh, the problem with mediumship today is, is that a lot of people uh, haven't worked on themselves. Yeah. They're, they're not as equipped spiritually uh, because they haven't been sitting in a circle, uh, they haven't been... Um, haven't been developing their own mediumship ability and the attunement with spirit and sitting in the power of spirit and feeling the blend of spirit coming and going in their auric field and uh, deciphering their mind and their thoughts from the thoughts of spirit. And uh, so, uh, and that takes a lot of time and dedication and the pioneers in the past spent years and years and years. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, sometimes it was more than a decade before people were permitted to get up and demonstrate, Yeah, you know, and now it's kind of, you can do a short course or a day course and get up in front of people and, and off you go. Uh, And that's where there's lots of hits and misses for our, uh, for the, our community, if you want to call it that, Mm -hmm. as well as lots of inconsistency as well. But the beauty thing, the beauty about mediumship too, is that everyone's different and we're not all meant to be the same anyway. So that's what I love. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. But there's also a lot of stuff out there that's um, that makes people question what we do and makes people more skeptical or negative about our work. Right. You know? Yes. Your book, I love the title. I think it's absolutely, you know, ear catching, right? What made you write it? Well, when I first started for years, I mean, I, I went to all these different teachers um, and Uh, I guess one person told me one way to work and the next person would tell me, no, it should be this way. And I got very confused. And I think for the first two years, I felt like I was going backwards, you know? Yes. Um, And, uh, and then of course, over the years too, I, 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 I witnessed and experienced my own, you know, messages from other mediums and how, uh, where the effort of making a connection seems to all of a sudden stop. I, I think the energy, people get connected to the spirit and then forget that once I've got here, now what do I do, you know? Uh, And uh, and, uh, the evidence wouldn't be there. I've had mediums even tell me about their so-called people who've passed that they had for me but um, couldn't identify them properly or talk about them um, or or give me any evidence that would make me think otherwise that it really wasn't for me, but then even enforce it on me. So then I thought I'd love to uh, create something that, of shares my journey, but, and how I learned how to be more evidential. Um, and of course it led to me developing a kind of structure with a four piece on profiling a person physically, their personality, possessions and passions, um, purpose for why they come. And then, um, the most exciting thing, what's happened since they've died, you know, 
to try and get mediumship uh, to be more evidential. I want everyone to feel this, you know, and experience an amazing connection and having their loved ones come th uh, through for them and feel like they haven't, that we don't maybe, and maybe question we don't die, you know, yeah. I, I want that experience for everyone. And I thought if I, if, you know, when I'm done and dusted, I hope that, you know, people might say, well, he was a, a man who tried to promote evidential mediumship in, in his work and for those he made contact with. I think that would be the greatest thing I'd like to be remembered for really, if I, if, uh, if that comes to play. So, you know, um, and that's why I created the book and it's really for, for people to also connect to their own loved ones as well. Right. Um, having that understanding and knowledge, you know, um, and the structure, not only can you do it for your own people, but you can actually do it for other people's people, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, yes. um, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, if people want to do it as a potential, uh, just personal uh, happiness and to health, you can help someone in the street. Or, or you can do it for a living. It's the choices are for those who want to take that further. But yeah, I, I spent five years writing it. It was a challenge. It, it was a very personal thing. Part of me was a bit nervous of putting it out there because it, it, I became quite attached to it and thought it was an extension of me to some degree. Um, the actual training cards came out sooner because they were, uh, it was so quick and easy and so inspiring and uh, very creative and it happened very first. But then when the book, when we were putting the book together, um, my partner was my editor, you know, um, I couldn't have done it without her really, uh, Breeza, she's an amazing woman, um, very supportive to have a great partner like that. She was very much saying, you know, we have to make sure when we put this out that anyone can pick it up and, and, uh, and, uh, and learn from it and that it's not, you know, repeated and old school and, uh, or been done over many times. It has to be, a fresh set of eyes and, and, and something easy for people to be able to do it, you know? So that's the intent and hopefully uh, it make, makes a change in the world. I want to just change a little bit. And I, I mentioned um, that you planted a lot of trees and one of the things, uh, and that's your previous work, but one of the beautiful things yes. that I noted in your biography is that every time you do a reading, you plant a tree. And I'm curious yes, if you can yes, talk still. about that because there's something so beautiful about nature and the energy of that. Can you talk a little bit about why you do that and how that works? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm very environmentally conscious. Uh, uh, I did it for 20 years and uh, as a professional person in environment. So, and the forest was always my thing. Um, even as a child, I was curious and uh, in Australia, we call them cubby houses or a tree house and, you know, hiding huts and things in the forest. I was always um, um, spending hours in there uh, with my friends as well, you know, with the imagination. And I've always had a passion for it. And uh, I guess when I started traveling with this work a lot and flying quite a lot, I felt like I also wanted to be a bit more environmentally conscious and then producing a book with paper you know, um, we wanted to be conscious and I just wanted to keep it continuing. Although I, I still love to be in the garden and, and working outside when I do get a chance. I've been a bit more limited because of my uh, schedule now, but I just thought I've got to keep this continuing, you know. So um, I donate money uh, from my sessions. Uh, so uh, whether it's through books or um, book sales or uh, buying the deck of cards or readings, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll donate money to plant trees uh, to it's uh, two organizations, the 8billiontrees.com project mm -hmm. uh, and uh, onetreeplanted.org uh, organizations that have many areas around the world, 8billiontrees.com um, project. The m money from that also goes to protecting original stands of rainforest in Amazon and uh, Antigua and uh, um, Asia um, um, and Borneo forests and things like that. So some of that money goes to protecting original forest or keeping forest maintained. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's more trees that are planted uh, with that. And then one tree planted is the same. They have multiple projects all around the world where it's needed. Um, uh, recently sent around uh, 500 that were uh, planted in Asia uh, 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 from my uh, um, recent works. So, um, uh, it's a nice thing to do. 
It is a beautiful you know? thing to do. And if we can leave a better place for our future generations, then what's that famous Greek proverb? A wise man plants trees that create shade, which they never will sit under. That's awesome. I do want to ask you about um, your experience in nature as a medium. And maybe even as a child, do you think that your connection to the earth, to trees, to nature has informed your way, like sort of an early connection to spirit. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're all, everything's connected, aren't we? All yes. living things are connected um, on a deeper level. Uh, and I, and I always, I've always believed that, you know, I kind of feel like as people we're we're brothers and sisters really, you know, uh, and we should be treating each other that way. And, we're the only thing in our in our environment that doesn't live in harmony with its own environment. Everything else has a place and is in balance, and but except us, you know. When we're starting to see the, the 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 law of cause and effect from all of that, I always wanted to be a ranger, a park <laughs> ranger, and I and I was for a while. So Ranger yeah. Reese was even <laughs> a part of my journey uh, awesome. when I was in Australia. Mm. But absolutely. Um, I started hearing voices in the in the forest. That's where I really connected to to the mediumship before I even knew it myself, really. Yeah. Um, and seeing um, Aboriginal spirits as well. Um, but it is something very important to me for sure. Um, and we have to be balanced. We, we can't always be up in the air um, in this work. And spending time in nature, I think, really calms me and makes me feel grounded and... Uh, and we need to make time for that, uh, you know, because we're always working in the mind. What are we giving back to ourselves in terms of feeding the mind and and uh, and it's taking away stress, it's taking away anxiousness and anxiety. Uh, and we need to do that to be better in our in our work. Otherwise, mediums get sick too. We're so busy worrying about everybody else, we forget about ourselves, you know, um, in our mediumship. I guess that's the downsider. Mediums are always the last people they think about, um, uh, but we need to make more time for that because there's been some great mediums who've died uh, be well beyond their years, and I just imagine what they could do now if they were still here, you know, like Gordon. I'd just love to have a cup of tea with him and, uh, you know, spend time with a great man who did such good stuff, you know, for um, while he was here, you know. Colin Fry, great example, you know. Yeah. Don't talk about Edgar Casey. I mean, I'd find it I could <laughs> I'd love to spend time with him if he was alive you know? but you but you still Brilliant. can in spirit right of course you still yeah, have absolutely. a cup of sit down and have a cup of tea with them yeah for sure and I, I definitely you know this might sound uh, weird to some people listening but I definitely felt like Gordon had a, a big influence in my writing and my work in the book I am I'm constantly talking about him so there must be something there you know <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, that kind of kinship and that understanding of each other's energy, but for sure you must be working with him or he with you when you yeah, have that much yeah. um, love for someone's work and admiration for the way they live their lives. I, um, when I was at the Arthur Finley College in that first week, um, there's a plaque that said George Harrison and his family from the, Be you know, the Beatles would come to the school and all the little all the little paintings were dropping for me, you know. Oh, so that's why the Beatles' music was so inspirational. They weren't. It wasn't just music. It was society changing. You know, this that that group, for example, they they changed the way we lived and how we expressed ourselves, and and giving women voices to you know as well, uh, breaking down ideologies of society and what we were supposed to do on weekends. You know, yeah. uh, they were an amazing band that created, you know, uh, the underground movement and, you know, um, transcendental music and Woodstock and yeah. you know, so well, inspiring, and, you know. Yeah. And and that their music, you know, later in life was inspired by the transcendental meditation movement as well. Yeah. And whether yeah. people realized it or not, they were slowly being influenced by that energy, you know, yeah. that that positive energy. And I always listen to Ma Imagine by John Lennon and, the, the, yeah. you know, even years later, it's still probably the most significant song and so relevant to the way we are and the way we live right now. It's yeah. a very good point. You, 
inspired thought, you know, and I believe we get all of this all the time, not just within ourselves, but from above. For sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, even Beethoven wrote a nine piece, uh, you know, an orchestra score, 42 piece orchestra score when he was nine years old. Yeah. Can't How does that happen? Not inspired. <laughs> you know, you can't. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, um, what kind of books have inspired you? Um, you've written one yeah. and you know how hard that is that, that, you know, with your intention yeah. and. Yeah. Uh, there's absolutely heaps. I, I think the, one of the greatest books and I carry it with me always would be questions and answers by silver birch. Mm-hmm. Um, because yes. I have to do a lot of, you know, uh, public speaking and, um, and spiritual addresses to, um, uh, commun- uh, you know, audiences yes. very relevant of today's time and, uh, or what spirit think of our modern world and the crisis as we have and, you know, compensation and good and bad and evil deeds and being a vegetarian and animal cruelty and uh, all, all the modern day problems that we face and how spirit think about it. So it's always a go-to book for me. Very, very inspirational. And it kind of helped me to kind of let go of things out of my control that yes. uh, if I choose to let them can, can really, you know, um, make you become a person that can suffer more than you really need to, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that really helped me. I highly recommend the um, Michael Newton's work for those people who might be listening about uh, what happens to us when we die. Mm -hmm. Um, The Journey of Souls and the Destiny of Souls by Michael Newton, I think uh, a great example of potentially what could be like in the heavens when we do pass Mm -hmm. and what, what life could be in the afterlife. I think it's a, a great example and studies uh, very in-depth in examinations and lots of, um, I guess, examples of communication from people who've had near-death experiences and um, been hypnotized and done past life regression work. Um, I think that would give a lot of peace to people that, or, or anyone wanting to understand what happens on the other side. I don't think we have all the answers to that, but I think for someone living who did write it, I think it's a pretty good shot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. um, um, at, at, at that aspect. Um, the, for those who are people who want to be quite spiritual um, and take on as a religion, um, the philosophy of spiritualism from the SNU is a great book. Yeah. Uh, so Arthur Finley, who wrote uh, The Unfolding Universe, for when he wrote this book in, I think, 1932, it's an amazing perspective on where we are in our world moving forward because of um, the, the aspects of introducing spiritualism into a uh, with different creeds of religion and, and the uh, and the perceptions that people had about about spiritualism at the time you mm-hmm. know uh, I think it's a really cool read anything to do with Gordon Higginson um, you know a couple of other really good books the other side of the mirror would be great and for those who are into trance uh, work I'm loving Judith Seaman's book, Transmediumship, by her at the moment. It's a nice read. Um, very, very cool books. Thank you. Because I know lots of people are taking the time to explore. One of the things we talked about, and you've traveled a lot, and you've taught, and you've demonstrated in many different places. And I, I wonder if you perceive a difference in the way people receive mediumship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and styles, I think, is also one of the yes. questions. Yes. Yes. Uh, particularly, or even in being in the Netherlands, I guess uh, statistically, a seventy percent of people would say then uh, that they're atheists, wow. right? But if they were asked directly, if they pick, let's either be Catholic or Protestant in some aspect. Um, but there's around about that statistic, 70% would say they're atheist, you know, mm. but they're also very proud people, for example, um, and uh, they really want proof, you know. Yes. So I think by being here, it also helped me be more evidential. Uh, amazingly, uh, as you would know, in mediumship, even when there's language barriers or cultural differences, we still interpret it. Uh, in the right way for the recipient, yes. um, uh, which I find is incredible. It's another awe-inspiring thing about mediumship. It seems to somehow be able to be telepathically transferred to us to pass on to someone in our own, in our own language, mm. which I think is amazing. Um, but I find the more 
cultural experiences I have, the more I build references to those cultures too. So I'm a big advocate for, um, you know, reading and uh, not learning about the places and spaces before I worked there. Um, an example would be Sweden. When I was first working there, I didn't know anything about Sweden at all. And in fact, I thought it was rugged mountains and snow, but it's very flat and lots of trees, you know. <laughs> and but I didn't know anything about about Swedish people. And I thought, I if I'm going to work for Spirit, I need to um, at least have some understanding or some basic knowledge about that place. So I would study the the culture before I would go there. So I learned that you know, as an example, ninety percent of Europe's timber uh industry comes from sweden so it makes sense that if i could have a person in spirit who was in the timber mill or a logger or a or a in a, you know forestry aspect of mm. of work i learned about moira clocks and there's three villages that have built these clocks over 150 years or more um and there's they all have different roles the villages where they make this famous swedish clock it's like a grandfather clock uh, one village does the, the the internal parts and the mechanisms and uh, one village does the outside and the other village puts it all together. Um, it's amazing. And, and learning Swedish names and things like that. So one, one day, because I'd read about it, I said to a lady, I've got a granddad here who's a Moira clock mechanic. He would work with all the clogs and all the turning pieces inside the clock for a, a person in the audience here. Um, and his name is Eric Erickson. Uh, would anyone understand that? And a lady put a hand up and said, "My my grandfather was Eric Erickson, and he was a Moira clock mechanic." Oh my! You know, and all of it. Yeah. But it's only because I read about it and had some knowledge in my memory that the spirit could put a frame of around that to encourage me to mention it in my own mind that it happened. Um, but you know, these are the things that I I don't know if a lot of other mediums do that out there, but. I, I certainly make a conscious effort to do that if I'm going to be serving them and going to a new country. I feel I have to. It is amazing how spirit works. I'm constantly in awe of that energy and the connections that are made. We haven't talked a lot about your cards, and I'm wondering if you could spend a couple of moments talking about your cards. And I know earlier you said that it's based on your questions that you've created based on your communication with spirit, but could you describe how one would use them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's um, uh, not so complex, but it's broken into four sections. There's a fifth section at the back. That's an extra component, which I'll explain in a second, but they're color coordinated. Uh, so the first area is about the physical over the years of working and being on platform and in readings. I think the biggest thing where students might uh, get stuck in their delivery of mediumship or, or an, another medium uh, is uh, uh, the identification of physical uh, um, attributes. It's, it's like we have to be FBI agents for the spirit. We have yeah. to profile the character of a, of a spirit person, don't we? And the physicality is is, is critical. Um, you could have someone in the uh, get up and say. Um, uh, I have a lovely granddad in the spirit world here and is who had a heart attack. Who can understand this in the audience? Half the room would probably put their yes. hand up, you know? Um, so, and uh, I believe that at least 60% of the audience could take pretty much what we say about a dead person to some degree or make it fit or take some ownership to it, at least 60%. So you've got half the audience that could probably take most of what you're saying about anyone you know, but we really want to be so evidential that we just get it to one person and it's so specific that it has to be there, you know. So um, with the physicality, it's often the cause of death and the relationship. You know, uh, a lot of people might say a fatherly figure. Well, a fatherly figure could be dad, granddad, uncle, brother, you know. True. So it's all about that. So the physicality is important. Cause of death a unique physical feature like a tattoo or a marking or I know on his right hand he was missing his pinky finger. Mm. So we want some of that evidence in the beginning, you know, and a name that would really like solidify it. Uh, a person would go, oh, I know my granddad had a heart attack, but his name is Wilfred and <laughs> he was missing his finger on the right hand, you know. Yeah. All of a sudden it's so specific. 
and then it goes into personality and the characteristics about different people's personas and personality, things they left behind, objects and belongings, um, wills and estates and things like that, or their career, which is really important to help identify and solidify the personality of a person. Then we go into the purpose of communication. It's not just, I love you. You know, it can be unfinished business challenges that people face, you know, people they met when they passed, really amazing stuff um, that's often missing in our work. And then the post-life evidence, you know, adventures and holidays people have gone on. How was their service? How were they honoured? The challenges that the recipient's facing today, you know, special occasions like weddings and the child's being born and you name them after me. I'm so honoured. These are the things that that uh, I think spirit really want people to know, you know, but we tend to get stuck in the identification and getting to the point of, I know it's a person, but what do I do next with it? And that's where often in the timing of, of mediumship being delivered, people run out of time or energy when they get, well, I've made it here. Now what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then of course, and so you can use these cards in your readings, which uh, at, at, in the beginning when I was creating, it didn't think that it would go to that level, but uh, by the end of it all, it was like, wow, you can actually use these in your readings. Um, And you can, you know, have your recipient pick one or you can pick them as you're working. And once you feel like you've profiled the physicality, then you can go to the next one. Is there cards just to help encourage you in your mind to ask spirit for an answer? Mm-hmm. And at the end, the, the, the fifth section, which is um, a value added component, there's 20 different types of death. So you could, uh, with practice or in a training environment or in a small demonstration room, you could get someone to pick a card or you could pick a card and say, I'm going to talk about someone who's died from drowning and then use the 4P cards from scratch and, uh, and build a, and profile a whole spirit person in the moment in front of a, a group or a training group of environment if you wanted to. Um, uh, and uh, learn to be able to do that. Uh, so that's also to encourage people to go beyond grandmas and grandpas who've died and, and to go to people who've been murdered and died in fires and died at, on their job and to encourage the medium to learn more about different types of causes of death, you know, uh, which I think is really important in, a, in people's development as well. That is um, fascinating. Some, uh, people, yeah. And yeah. I had one lady, she said, I always get, I always get suicides. Why is that Reese? When, when I'm working and I say, well, you're an expert in suicide. You've lost three people in spirit to suicide. Right. And she said, Oh, I, I have, that makes complete sense. And when I first started mediumship, I only, I'd lost my grandparents at the time. So I was, I was an expert in connecting to grandparents and I was an expert in office workers and people who worked on the land because they were my two basic professions, right, at the time. Interesting. So, but to expand and, be, and go beyond that, you've got to also learn to develop that aspect in your mediumship and a, a lot of people don't realise that. It's a very good point because I remember one time working on the platform with someone and they brought someone through who'd committed suicide. And the medium was not expecting that, of course. I mean, you don't know, but was so troubled by what they felt and saw when they brought this through that they couldn't get past it for the next couple of minutes and, and ended up having to sit down and, and, um, yeah, uh, you know, I yeah, had to absolutely. carry on for them. And I can see where that would be shocking, depending on the, t- you know, what, what senses you're using at the time and how you're, how you know, or how you understand that death to be. So I could mm. see how those cards would be a great way to, like you said, practice so that people understand what they're experiencing. And the different types yeah, and it's of been very, that- it's Absolutely. And it's been even helpful in my own development. I use them all the time. Hmm. that's interesting (laughs) I I love having them yeah I have them all the time because you know in the moment you can get so caught up with spirit you forget to ask the questions (laughs) you know you you forget that there could be more to the story yeah Um, and uh, there's always something about the something and that's the great thing about these cards there's at least five questions on each on each each aspect you know oh what was their hobby was it outside inside 
Um, did they do it on their own? Did they do it with a group? What, what, what were they known for doing in their hobby? You know, and these are the things that sometimes we might go, oh, they love playing golf, but we stop there, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. And I have one final question. We are in the time of COVID. Um, what has been your experience as a medium around COVID? Anything different? Yeah, you know, the big the big thing that stands out is people aren't allowed to travel and therefore they can't go and see their loved ones. I've had so many people who have lost a loved one that's passed and been in another country uh, and their pers- uh, and the recipient hasn't been able to visit them or go and be there in time or get or be able to go. And those who have particularly not been allowed to go yeah. feel, feel very, very um, angry and um, uh, or feel guilty, you know, that something beyond their control prevented them from going and, that, and therefore they weren't able to say goodbye to their loved one. It's very distressing for them mm-hmm. um, and very, uh, very challenging for, for somebody to experience that, uh, you know. Uh, so to deal with that, it's it's been you know um, quite prevalent uh, in my work anyway. Uh, if I can speak about that, um, uh, and to try and give comfort to these people, you know, I had a, a recently an Indian, uh, lovely Indian man, um, and you know I guess this is where the mediumship comes in for that healing. Um, I don't want you to feel guilty that you couldn't have come to see me, and what I need for you to do, my boy, is go and tell your other brother. I know he drives my car in Mumbai. Uh, this man was in Australia, this Indian man. Uh, and he said, I, I, don't, I want you to go and t- tell, tell your, your other brother that he's driving my car, but it's leaking fuel and it's going to catch on fire. Uh, and, you, and, you know, he was looking at me with a dumbfounded face. But his email the next day was, I rung my brother and he'd taken it to the mechanic and it was leaking petrol and it would have caught on fire and he only just did it, you know? Um, so he was really like blown away that his dad had said uh, to ring him and talk to him. And that's obviously a reason to connect. But then the other big thing that came from it was, I don't want you to feel guilty that you've left and lived to another country because you're having a, a far greater life and you've got a beautiful partner and you're expecting a baby and it's a boy and you're going to name him after me. And it kind of just, you know, he had tears in his eyes and he said, you don't know what you've given to me. I've just felt so guilty that I've never been able to go and see him before he died. And then my brother was there and could be with him, but I couldn't. And I've, I've always felt guilty that I moved countries, you know, yeah. so this is the thing we're up against now. And it's, um, but it's a beautiful thing if a medium out there can, can bring that all together for their recipient and give them that, that comfort. It's all right. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think spirit really wants us to suffer. We will suffer because we choose to, but I don't think any person in spirit would want us to stop living um, because of because of their, 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 their loved ones have died. I think they want us to live for them, not suffer for them. But it's not an easy thing to do when you're grieving and uh, things have gone against you and you have no control even over what you can do with your own loved one. Uh, I, I can't imagine how people must feel when this happens to them. It's... um. It's devastating, but to try and give them some comfort, you just do your best, you know, as a medium, that's all you can do. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I, I want to thank you. Thank you very much for such an interesting conversation. And if people want to learn more about Reese or you wish to connect with him, you can find him at www.reesewindavies.com. That's www.reesewindavies.com. Y-S-W-Y-N-N-Davies-D-A-V-I-E-S.com. Reese, thank you so very much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be here today. Thank you. Reese Wynn Davies. When I think about this conversation today, one of the things that strikes me first is how um, Reese is somebody who embodies what he believes and embraces spirit and embraces science uh, in such a beautiful way. You know, we talked about 
how he felt that most people, well, all people could be a medium. And it just depends on where you are in your life. And I think the example that he gave of his experience at the Arthur Finley College and how in one week, his life changed completely from his connection with spirit and understanding that to the way he changed, even the way he ate to his ideas and understanding of relationships in his life. Fantastic that in one whole week, he changed his life and started to understand how to work with spirit and live with spirit. And so I have no doubt in my mind that if you were to take a class with him or go and sit with him for a reading, that you would have a wonderful experience because he really is and has this beautiful understanding and marriage of evidence and spirit. I also felt like his book and his cards are all there to help people. And so he's in service and he's in service to the planet when he talked about planting those trees and also to mankind for those who come for a reading. And to me, that just makes a great medium. So I'm very grateful for the conversation that I had with Reese today and for him taking the time to share his stories. I hope you enjoyed this medium's journey. Tales from the Reading Room is produced by Susan Edwards and Katie Balfour and is produced and hosted by me, Reverend Jillian Edwards. Special thanks to our guest, Reese Wynn Davies. And all of the music on this podcast was created by purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. Thanks for listening. See ya! See ya!